From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. We've been looking at spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you remember, if you were here last week, I I started this with just a simple statement. I don't want to have a time of teaching. I want to have a conversation. And so some of you were um, gutsy enough to last week just kind of raise your hands. And so that's how it's going to work again this week as we look at this. The goal of this time isn't for me to dispense a bunch bunch of knowledge. The goal of this time is for us as a family to look at this thing called spiritual gifts where Paul's trying to teach a young Corinthian culture what it looks like to walk in these correctly. And we've studied some of the filter mechanisms that he gave them. And the number one filter he gave them was, does it point to Jesus? If it points to Jesus, it's of the Holy Spirit. If it doesn't point to Jesus, it's not. And that that seems like just a, a really simple filter to work with. And so if we're going through this and there's things we come across, you're like, I don't understand that. I need some clarification. Just raise your hand and I'll just call on you. You can ask your question. I'll repeat it. So um, it's a little less confusing on the podcast. I would also request that if you have like a sense of, hey, I have great authority on this. I want to teach on that. Let's not do that here just for the sake of time. Let's keep it to questions. Um, But if you do feel like the Lord's revealed some stuff, Come find me, bring it to me, because I believe that there's, it's already begun to happen where some of you last week caught me afterwards and went, hey, what about this, and what about this, and what about this? And I was like, ah, that was amazing. Let's look at that. In fact, when we were working in our teaching team this week, a, uh, there, was, there was a few questions that came up that I want to address like that might be important for us as we understand this. Number one, the first question that came up was, was there anything unique about the Corinthian culture that Paul was speaking to in this area of spiritual gifts? Was there anything that we could understand about the original culture that would help us understand why Paul was was talking this way? And the answer is, when we looked at it, yes. This Corinthian area, the area of Corinth, uh, in its pagan idolatry was given to, to different types of religion called Gnosticism and, and what we would call mystical cults. And in these, so they were, they were very pro-spiritual activity. Whereas we probably live in a day and age where spiritual activity is a little shunned. We like the more stoic, liturgical, and that feels safer. This was a culture that was pretty expressive, and we would call them a little crazy. And what was going on in this mysticism and with this Gnosticism is there was a very egocentric drive. People were striving to be known as as figureheads and as leaders and so all of the expression of the gifts were intended to draw people to other people it would be like me standing up here and saying i'm going to do my best to make you just love me and be wowed by the gifting in me that's what was going on in them so this is why paul will step into the culture and say look if it points to jesus it's of the holy spirit but if it's drawing people to a person it's not so it's important for us to know that as we study the gifts one of the other questions that came up was what does it look like to use these incorrectly? So we've been talking about how do we use them correctly. And a lot of us probably the fear place is in the abuse side of spiritual gifts. And I think thinking about the aforementioned question, the drawing to self, this is where most of the abuse will happen in spiritual gifts. Why are we talking about that? Because the concern is If they're born of God and they're spirituals, remember? 
They're, they're not gifts. They're spirituals. Now, I want you to think about this from a, from a lens of being a different species. Once you became born again, you translate into, Paul will say, we're now seated in heavenly places. We're literally part of something else. These things are expressions of the spirit realm back into the kids of God. So it's important that we understand with these expressions, they're from God. Every good and perfect gift is from him. There's a reason for them, but they can be used incorrectly. And this is where most of the problems come with spiritual giftings. It comes in the abuse and the misapplication. Most of the time, it is when people manipulate for the purpose of drawing to themselves. I call it playing the God card. Anybody ever been in a room where somebody played the God card? where they decided that in order for their opinion to be heard the most, they're going to say something like, well, God told me. And they trump. And what do you say to that? Like, yes, I can't argue with God. I would just love to, to submit to us a simple idea. Have the humility to not have to say, well, God told me this, so you need to follow it. Just release what you have. And if there's wisdom in it and there's grace in it and there's a touch of God on it, allow people to follow that, walk into it, align with it. And let's put away anything. Because if you think about that root of, well, this is what the Lord told me, it can be really easy to manipulate with that, right? Does that make sense? So there are places for, for these to be used incorrectly, and it's mostly when they're used with a desire to draw attention to self. I want us to understand that spiritual gifts are given to elevate Jesus, to draw attention to Jesus, not us. In the same way, I think it's fair for us to say, I'm his and I matter to him, but me having this gift and functioning in it really is not that big a deal. I'm just doing what he gave me to do. Which brings me to the fourth question that came up in our, our teaching team meeting, which was, what is the responsibility in this gifting? Is there a responsibility in it? Where is it at? Because when we hear the word gift, what happens is we instantly take it into the realm of, well, I can do with it what I want because it was given to me. It was his grace that was given to me. It's mine to choose. And I, and I think if, if gifting was the word that was used, that would be right. But the word that used, is used by Paul is spirituals. It's not a gift. It's a release of heavenly ability into the children of God. Now, to understand the responsibility question, let's look at an Old Testament picture, which is Esau. How many are familiar with Esau? What did he sell his birthright for? Food, bowl of soup. Has anyone ever been confused by that story? Like, what's the big deal? The dude was hungry. Why is that a big deal? So in a moment, he thought a birthright and food, well, I have to have food to live. I don't have to have the birthright to live. I'll take the food. We're like, it seems like a smart decision. It does, unless you understand the culture of that day in Hebrew. The culture of the day was the oldest child was given a double portion of the inheritance. And they weren't given a double portion of the inheritance because they were favored. They were given a double portion of the inheritance because they were expected to have responsibility for the family. So what was to be understood was that double portion, that birthright, was the father saying, you're now in charge of the family. I'm giving you more of what I have so you can take care of them because I trust you more because you're older and you're more responsible. I don't want to give it to your little brother because he'll go buy a fun car with it and everybody will be broke. I know that you understand how to invest it. And so what Esau was really saying in this moment is, I don't want the responsibility. 
So I refuse to embrace what's being given to me. And you see, the danger is we can do the same thing with these spiritual gifts. We can say, I don't want the responsibility that's been given to me because I can, I can hear things that, that I don't want to have to hear. I can hear God's voice easy. I don't want that responsibility, so we just push it away, and we, we trade it out for other things in life. And the reality is these gifts we need to understand have been released to us and given to us because the agenda of heaven is that we can be a resource and we can be of benefit to everybody else. Say this with me. My gift, my gifts are for others. Let that sink in for a second. Everything I'm good at, graced in, skilled in, it is the intention of our Father to see other people benefit from that. It might be really fair to go, look, this is just not about me. Doesn't that feel good to say that? It's not about me. Just say it with me. It's not about me. Just kind of say it. Just say it until it sinks in. It's not about me. It's about other people. So in 1 Corinthians 12, we'll, we'll pick up, we just want to read it to set the stage for context so we know where we're at. Paul will say, and now dear brothers and sisters in verse 1, I want to write about the special abilities the Holy Spirit gives to each of us, for I must correct your misunderstandings about them. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know how to discern what's truly from God. No one speaking of the Spirit of God can curse Jesus, and no one is able to say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it's the same Holy Spirit who's the source of them all. There are different kinds of service in the church, but it's the same Lord we're serving. There are different ways God works in our lives, but it's the same God who does the spiritual work through all of us. A spiritual gift, or a spiritual, is given to each of us as a means of helping. Not the entire church, that's a really bad translation. The word is pas, of helping all. It should be the right word. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. We looked at this last week. To another, he gives the gift of special knowledge. The Spirit gives special faith to another, and someone else, he gives the power to heal the sick. All right, we're going to stop there. To another, he gives the gift of special knowledge. So I want to take you on a journey back into my history, my life. I was about 17 years old, and I'm on a Sunday night gathering. Um, some of you have met my, my pastor at that time was Gary Peters. He's one of the overseers for us here, still in our lives. And some of you who grew up, how many grew up in a Sunday night church culture? You know that the only people that show up on Sunday night church are the crazies that are really out there. Because Sunday night, you're like, I already went to church once today, and now I just feel that I just need more. So it's, it's, already, a fairly, it's already a fairly aggressive crew. And it, you know, our church was about two, 250 or so, and so those Sunday night gatherings have about 50 people. There's about maybe, maybe a quarter of the population at most would show up. And, and so we're in a Sunday night gathering. And in this Sunday night gathering, uh, Pastor Gary, because he, he didn't love to say no to people, he invited a missionary to come in. And this guy was a really sweet guy who talked super slow. And so for like 90 minutes, he's talking about his mission stuff. And while it was important, I was also falling asleep because it was super boring. Can you say that? Like, I worked really hard to make sure church isn't boring here because we're like, man, I grew up in boring church and it was not very much fun. So if I go back a little bit further, back to ninth grade, ninth grade, I'm, I'm five foot two and about 103 pounds as I enter high school. And I, so I'm just, everybody, I was just looking up. And there was this one person in specific that I would look up to. He was the middle linebacker on the, on the varsity football team. And his name was Chris. And Chris was about 6'3 and about 225 as a senior in high school. And he was built like a Greek god. 
just that guy, you know? When he takes his shirt off, you're like, that's just not fair. <laughs> that guy. And he's this hulking mass. He was the meanest individual I'd ever met in my life. Every Friday, this is no lie, absolute truth. Every Friday, this gentleman would find somebody in an opposing school, because we lived in a city that had three high schools, and he would call them out, and they would go to the local McDonald's, and he would have a fight with them. I watched him put a dent in the hood of a Camaro with a guy's face on a Friday afternoon. Nobody could even come close. He was the angriest most intense human being I'd ever met. So much so that my cousin and I, and my cousin and I are about four months apart. He was six foot by freshman. I was five two. And I just thought that was so unfair. So I just kind of stuck close to him when we would go through the halls. And so we grew up across the street from each other. So we would, you know, I, in eighth grade, uh, coach handed me a jersey because I had he, to keep. And it was a trophy jersey because he, even though I wasn't very big, I had a lot of fight. And so he was proud of me. So he wanted me to take this jersey. And maybe I think he hoped that by 40, I would grow into to it. And so, so this jersey wore number 44, and it was my running back number, and I was super excited about it. Well, it was way too big for me. It looked like a dress. It came down to almost my knees because I was just little. So my cousin's like, hey, man, can I wear your jersey? I'm like, sure. And I was a big fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the school I went to had black and yellow at this time. And so, I mean, it was black and yellow. And I loved this thing. My cousin and I are walking through the halls of Mark Moore's high school, and this big hulking Greek god ogre stands in front of us. And he says to my cousin, who's almost eye to eye with him, hey, that's mine. Give it to me. Now, this, my cousin just takes it off. <laughs> He's standing there in, in, all of, in all of his glory, and he just has a pair of jeans on, and now we're walking through the hallway, and he has no shirt on. And my jersey, not his jersey, my jersey's in the hands of somebody else. So I had this incredible disdain for this human being because he took something that mattered to me. So move forward back to that Sunday night. That Sunday night, we're in, we're in what I thought at the time was the world's most boring service. You know, the kind where you're like, nobody's getting touched by God tonight. This is so boring. There's like, they're just, we're, the only touch of God's gonna be when the bell rings and we can leave. <laughs> and in walks this guy. This hulking Greek God, angry human being. He's in ripped up jeans. It was, the, it was the late 80s, early 90s, so he always wore these tank tops that he would shred and then tie the pieces back together because he just had traps that kind of jumped out and these big shoulders. And, and he, he was a specimen. He walks in and he sits about three rows behind me. Now my heart's just doing this because I'm like, this guy beats people up. I'm, did he just, maybe he came to hunt me down. I have no idea what's going on. Because of my gift of gab, I wasn't quiet about my thoughts about him. So I thought this was my moment. He sits and he sits and he sits through this 90 minutes of, of incredibly not exciting information. Pastor Gary stands up and he's doing the professional pastor thing. He's trying to figure out what kind of bow do I put on this gathering because it's not very good. And he stands up. He's like, let's pray. And then he stops. And he says, You. You're in a pit, and the harder you dig, the more you feel like the walls are coming in on you. And he begins to release this word, and he's pointing right at me. And so instantly, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been found out. Here we go. And because I grew up in church, was good Pentecostal, so I just was used to repenting every gathering, so it was okay. <laughs> Anybody with me on that? You did that? Yeah. Literally, like, I got in trouble if I didn't go to the prayer room. So there was just this penance that was just hardwired into me. So I'm like, yep, it's me. 
And then I hear this sobbing from behind me. And I turn around and I see this hulking Greek god of a human with snot coming out his nose and he's weeping, like uncontrollably weeping. And like every hair on my body went, because you could just sense the presence of God. And so to another, he gives the abilities for special knowledge. This word phrase, special knowledge, is logos gnosis. It means to communicate the knowing of God. It is unlike releasing wisdom and wise advice, like last week, which is, which is advice that comes from our life experiences. It's wisdom. It's things that, we are, that we've understood through our experiences that we can release and, and, and give somebody coaching in. This is us releasing something that is supernatural, and there was no way we could have known it except that God revealed it. That's what happened in that moment. A young man walks into a gathering apart from God, but knows he needs something. Somebody in his life had invited him to a church, and he found this tiny hole-in-a-wall church with 50 people, and when he walks in, the Holy Spirit says, this is my moment. And so a guy stands up, and there's a download, and the man calls it out, and that young man got saved and went to, ended up going to the same Bible college I went to. To this day, is still in the ministry, still serving Jesus, still killing it in the kingdom. I did get my jersey back. <laughs> which I was exceptionally grateful for. He ended up being my roommate in Bible college. He ended up being the president of Christ for the Nations for, uh, as the student body president. And I just watched Jesus do something miraculous. And so in that story, we see spiritual gift released for the purpose of others. So this is word of knowledge, where Paul says to another he gives the gift of special knowledge. It's a gift that looks like communicating a knowing or a, a supernatural knowledge, where that knowledge comes from heaven, not from our experience. So my question is, that's awesome, and how many instantly are like, I want that, I want to see that kind of life change in people for that. So I, I want to I ask a question. How do we flow in that? How do we hear and know? First thing, if you remember when Dr. J was here just recently on the Wednesday night, he taught us about the heart of God in the gifts. That always the heart of God is communicating compassion and love because he's reaching out to minister. And so the first thing we want to we want to do is align with that. And my question, if I'm honest, is I push on this a lot here. How do I communicate the heart of God and the intent of God if I'm not a person that spent time with God? Could I suggest to us that part of the journey of developing a secret encounter with God, a consistency, is so that we are so comfortable with the culture of God. We're so comfortable with the culture of heaven. We're so familiar with the voice of God that in those moments we're available to him to be useful. Does that make sense? You see, because if I'm somebody who isn't spending time with God, I'm just 
trying to kind of go through the motions and do it right. And I'm, I still love God, but I just don't have, I don't really have time. Or maybe I've bought into the lie of, I just can't hear God. That's a weird gift you have, Greg. I can't do that. I would love to embrace that and say, yeah, it's probably true. But I've asked him point blank, is that true? And his answer was no. But what the answer of the Lord was in this area was interesting. But it does not come quickly. There must be a commitment to develop a time in the secret place to hear his voice. It doesn't just happen. And I want to excite in all of us a hunger and a passion to get along with God and hear his voice. I don't know how to do that. I have talked about it again, but I'll talk about it again. Get a laptop, get a notebook, write your prayers and write what you hear. I don't hear anything. Then sit there till you do. Spend time allowing the voice of God to impact you so that when you're in a moment and the Holy Spirit's looking for a useful vessel to communicate the heart of heaven to an unbeliever, to communicate the heart of heaven to a hurting person, to see something released that'll change that life, you're ready and you're available. Pastor Gary in that moment was the only guy in the room that was really, really asking, Lord, what do you want to do right now? What do you want to do right now? He was feeling the weight as a leader of, ooh, this is kind of a gross assembly. What do you want to do, Lord? You see, if I can't ask that question well, if I haven't been a man who has spent time hearing him talk. Does that make sense? You see, the more time I spend with him, the easier it is to discern his heart and his mind in a moment. We doing okay? How many would admit this has been a lifelong struggle to try to figure out how to carve that time out? Is it possible that it's a lifelong struggle because we have an enemy that understands how incredibly important it is for us to walk in our destiny? He's aware that if we do this well, everything unlocks. And we become the conduits in a day and in an age around unbelievers, around pagans who all of a sudden are hearing from heaven and we're able to release things on earth and we're, we're, these, we're these dispensers of wisdom and of word of knowledge. What would it look like to walk into the job place and have the Lord drop something in your heart and you just say, hey, I, uh, I heard this for you today. Tell me it wouldn't cause people to, you, you, excuse me, you did what? How did you know that? John Wimber will write a book called Power Evangelism. If you don't know who John Wimber is, John Wimber is part of the, he's the founder, really, he's not the founder, but he's, he's the father that led the vineyard through its early days. And in Power Evangelism, his favorite thing was to get on a plane, look at somebody, and ask the Lord, do you have anything you want to say to them? So he will, re he will relay this story, which is a little funny in hindsight, but in the moment, he's sitting next to a business guy. The guy's in a suit, he, he's got his laptop, and he's very put together, and the Lord says, yes, Sarah. So he looks at the guy and says, hey, does the name Sarah mean anything to you? And the guy becomes ashen. He's like, how did you know that name? He's like, I don't know. God told me to ask you that question. And they begin a dialogue. And the dialogue is this man's having an affair. He's been a believer. He's living in sin. And out of that comes repentance and restoration. All because a man just said, hey, Jesus, do you have something you want to say to these people? What's it look like for us to live in the marketplace with that kind of agenda. Hey, Lord, what do you want to say? I'm here. I've been working, 
and learning to hear your voice. I've been spending time with you so I can discern in a moment that it's your voice. Let's stand this morning. I have more, but we're out of time. Jesus, we stand before you. I love, love, love the sweetness of your spirit today. And I love the, the all call that we would come and develop time with you and we would begin to trust what we hear so we can become people that can release gifts like special knowledge and word of knowledge in the earth. It's part of who you created us to be. It's gifts that you've given to some of us and we just are all standing here with the same heart. In fact, if it's you and you want it, just put your hand over your heart and say, Lord, I'll take whatever you want to give me. I'll be useful. And I'll commit to spending the time with you so I can learn to hear your voice. We love you and we honor you. May your face shine upon us this week as we go. Lord, as we celebrate Thanksgiving with friends and with family and um, we just spend some time setting a day apart to be thankful, love that idea. Be with us. Bring us back together next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at vintagecitychurch.com.